When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On SEN, your home of sport. It's time on. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to uh, Time On on this uh, Monday night. Uh, Brett Phillips in for Sam Edmund. In for the next uh, couple of nights. It is your say on the news of the day. So happy to take uh, your calls uh, right throughout this hour. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or on the text, the uh, temper text, 0433981116. Great to spend a Monday night with you. We could just spend it in uh, better times. We're all just trying to get through. Feel for anyone out there who's uh, well doing it tougher than I am. Actually, can't go to work. Who are stuck at home and kids and just out of the normal routine. So hang in there. Hopefully, there is better things ahead for all of us. But we can still talk a bit of sport, and that is one of the great spirit lifters to talk a, a bit of sport. One three hundred seven three six seven three six or on the text oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Be fair to say there's a lot going on in the world, not only in sport, but just with this evolving uh, COVID situation. So New South Wales recording 98 new local cases today, including 20 who are in the community while infectious. Two new uh, vaccination hubs open in the CBD and in Lake Macquarie in uh, Sydney's, uh, of course, construction sites still empty uh, while the city's public transport capacity has been slashed to reflect uh, fewer people uh, using the network in New South Wales, recording their fifth death from the latest outbreak after a woman understood to be a relative of infected removalists was found dead, unfortunately, in uh, Sydney uh, today. Victoria uh, recording 16 new local cases and the state's uh, five-day lockdown will be extended beyond tomorrow. Uh, more details to come tomorrow. The Delta outbreak has stretched to the far northwest of the state over the weekend. Uh, one of those cases was isolating Uh, throughout their infectious period. So about 15,800 primary close contacts are in quarantine, more than 3,000 of those. Around about 15,800 cases in quarantine are linked to the MCG. The state has 81 active cases in total, and it comes on the back of a bumper testing day. Nearly uh, 55,000 results received uh, yesterday. Uh, More than 250 exposure sites are connected to the current outbreak, stretching from Phillip Island all the way to the Melling. We've learnt uh, this afternoon, and this will be uh, fascinating how it does impact uh, the Port Adelaide-Collingwood game and Adelaide-Hawthorne, which has been shifted uh, one round up, along with two other matches. We'll go through the round 19 fixture if you haven't got across that. But South Australia announcing today stringent new restrictions after a new COVID-19 case emerged. So uh, they're going through not a full lockdown, according to... Uh, their Premier, but uh, they're going to be certainly tightening uh, restrictions over in Adelaide in terms of uh, movement. And uh, the Queensland-New South Wales border, that's the other bit of news uh, today. That will remain open with the Queensland Government acknowledging the logistical difficulties of closing it and saying it would be a last resort 
if there is local transmission of cases. And, of course, the Premier, Anastasia Palaszczuk, is ducked across to Tokyo uh, for Brisbane's uh, announcement to host the Commonwealth Games. The Commonwealth Games already did that. The Olympic Games in uh, 2032. So a bit to play out on that uh, throughout uh, the next uh, couple of days. So in terms of the fixture, so the lingering COVID uh, situation has certainly played havoc on the fixture once again. Three games have been moved from round 20 to this weekend. So the scheduled round 20 games of Gold Coast versus Melbourne, the Western Bulldogs, uh, Gold Coast, uh, is that right? No, hang on. Uh, Yeah, so the Gold Coast versus Melbourne, Western Bulldogs, Adelaide, no, I don't think that's quite right. Hang on. I need to double-check that. Let me go to the other notes that I uh, uh, just have in front of me here. Uh, where have I got it here? The Gold Coast and Melbourne. Sorry, that was uh, correct. Western Bulldogs and Adelaide and Hawthorne and Brisbane. Who am I ever to doubt? Uh, my man Tomo. Uh, will no longer uh, take place. Instead, the top-of-the-table clash between Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs will take place on Saturday night, 7.25. The Q clash will happen between Brisbane and Gold Coast at the Gabba. That's at 3.10pm. Adelaide versus Hawthorne at the Adelaide Oval at 5.40pm come Saturday. So the fixture with some uh, dates and some times still to be exactly confirmed. So Port Adelaide, Collingwood, Adelaide Oval on Friday night. Uh, scheduled for 7.10pm Eastern. Uh, Carlton versus North Melbourne Saturday. Marvel Stadium, 1.45. Brisbane versus the Gold Coast at the Gabba, uh, 3.10. That is scheduled for Saturday. Uh, the West Coast Eagles in St Kilda, Optus Stadium, uh, scheduled for 4.35 on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Adelaide versus Hawthorne, uh, scheduled for the Adelaide Oval, a 6.10 start. And Melbourne... And the Western Bulldogs, uh, MCG, Saturday night, 7.25. That has been slated for now. Uh, Sunday, Sydney versus Fremantle, Metricon Stadium, 12.30 start. Geelong versus Richmond, definitely confirmed to be at the MCG. A lot of discussion around that. Time to be confirmed. And Essendon up against the Giants, stadium to be confirmed. We know both teams are up in uh, Queensland, but some talk that there is possibly the uh, the opportunity to maybe bring that back to Melbourne to be confirmed and a time. So information relating to crowds and ticketing for round 19 will be communicated as soon as those details have uh, been finalised. But that is how the fixture looks. one 736 736 to get involved in the news of the day. one 736 736 The other bit of footy news uh, floating around today. So we learnt that uh, Western Bulldogs midfielder Josh Dunkley will have to quarantine for 14 days after visiting a Tier 1 COVID-19 exposure site, he went to his uh, local cafe that was on July 14, which has now been declared an exposure site. So the Bulldogs are reporting that he has tested negative for COVID on two separate occasions since then. He'll be unavailable for this weekend's game, as will the players who didn't play for GWS in Sydney, who will have to sit out another week. And we know that Josh Dunkley, of course, travelled to Queensland in his first game back. A pretty wretched run. He's uh, picked up the 21 disposals and was pretty pivotal in that win against uh, the Gold Coast Suns, uh, but won't take any further part uh, this weekend. So we'll wait and see what happens with that. Uh, some news out of the Cats uh, coming through just a short time ago. Asava Radagalia has signed on with uh, Geelong until the end of 2023. So the 22-year-old will play uh, game 50 this weekend after debuting in round one 2018. It's interesting, isn't it? Chris Scott has always been bullish about Radagalia when it comes to selection. If he's available, he wants to play him. 
He does uh, provide that X factor in the middle, can go forward. So he's one of those magnets that Chris Scott certainly likes to uh, have in his team, uh, no doubt. So there's a bit of footy news uh, going around. We know that um, young Joyce of St Kilda uh, didn't join his teammates. We course, Mackenzie with a concussion across the weekend, but Joyce didn't join his teammates in Perth. After they departed on the weekend, after attending, like many in the uh, football fraternity, uh, the rugby match at uh, Amy Park uh, last week. So a bit of footy news, certainly uh, floating around. Uh, interesting little development uh, this afternoon with uh, Liz Cambage. I remember interviewing Liz, gee, it would have been eight or nine years ago at SEM. We had her in for an hour. And the last word I said to Liz when she walked out, because you interview a lot of sports people across the journey and some are very much line and length, not giving you too much, probably too afraid to just be themselves. When Liz sat in the studio, she was just herself. And I said, don't, don't ever let that uh, disappear. Where you take that and she'll, you know, she'll mature and uh, refine it. But you, you love that honesty. You love that um, just candidness of an athlete. But there's no doubt at times it's gone too far. But she's officially under investigation for a breach of the integrity framework and the code of conduct after she quit the Olympics last week. So, of course, um, withdrew from the Opals team for the Tokyo Games, citing mental health. Uh, One incident involved uh, an alleged physical and verbal altercation with a Nigerian team during a scrimmage played behind closed doors. So Basketball Australia have confirmed today that Cambage was being investigated by its integrity uh, division. So, look, you know, I, I wish... Liz, all the best. I don't, I don't know the full circumstances. I've actually met her mother many times across the journey who uh, does um, a great deal of work for Try Australia. And she's been the CEO, her mum there for quite some time and has obviously followed her daughter around the world. Uh, she'd be uh, pretty devastated, I'd imagine. Liz Cambage and her mum has been her, her biggest supporter uh, right throughout um, his career of being in the spotlight from a, a pretty young age. Uh, but there's, you know, the strong words of Chris Anstey and some others have struck a chord, certainly in the last 48 to 72 hours, about the good Liz and the not-so-good Liz. But all that uh, certainly to play out over the next uh, few days. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or if you want to jump on the temper text, 0433981116. Dom says, if lockdown is only extended by three days until Friday, well, it looks like it's probably going to go longer than that. Uh, the AFL should offer AFL fans in Melbourne... Uh, some hope by spacing out even 5,000 spectators at the MCG and Marvel empty stadiums leave players and viewers, uh, yeah, <laughs> feeling pretty pretty flat, uh, to be uh, totally honest. And, yeah, look, it is it is difficult. I mean, I, I called a couple of games for SCN across the weekend. At least it was a little bit of crowd ambience. So I did feel for some of my co-commentators when I was listening in the car on the weekend who were calling games from the MCG with absolutely no crowd. It's uh, not great not great for everyone. But, I mean, the AFL certainly, from what we've learned over the weekend, is absolutely bullish that they want to uh, get the games away that are scheduled in Melbourne as opposed to last year when it's, OK, let's get everyone out. Let's get uh, games played at venues where there is crowd and an ambience. And I think, you know, Jerry Waitley made some fascinating comments uh, earlier today about the um, the product maybe not being as good without crowds. That's a, an interesting one. I, mean, I, I didn't maybe notice anything substantial. Uh, certainly there was a flatness about the, the early part of the St Kilda Port Adelaide game. Essendon were a little bit flat yesterday, but they had a bit of a crowd at Metricon Stadium. But, gee, the players have had to learn to uh, just 
play and the circumstances that are dealt. Uh, goalposts, green grass, get it done. Um, fly out the same day, fly home the same day. Uh, I was asking John Barker about it yesterday on our AFL Nation call and, you know, certainly the players and coaches and the football uh, family, if you like, have been used to routine for, for so long and now they've been having their routine just totally thrown out. But you can adjust and you can still perform. I think that's what's been proven with some of the clubs who've had to be uh, pretty nimble and uh, just get in and get the job done. No better than Sydney. I mean, Sydney are the best value for money team going around. There's no doubt about that. I mean, the emotion of yesterday, the players taken out, six goals down early. Uh, this team has just emerged, re-emerged beautifully again. They're never going to be down for too long. That's not the Sydney way. A lot of credit going to Don Pike. John Longmire is just the strength and, and the relationship he's got. You could see the emotion yesterday. They're playing a great brand of footy and they would have just uh, rolled the sleeves up and said, OK, we've been dealt a pretty harsh card here. We're just going to get on with it and uh, and get the chocolates. And once they actually won the contest yesterday and got the ball in their hand, uh, their ball movement was always going to be superior and getting it done uh, inside 50. Uh, how about my beloved Hawks serving up to Melbourne and that snap by Luke Bruce was awesome. Well, I called that game, Dean, on the weekend, and no better man you would want the ball in the hands of than Luke Bruce to put the icing on the cake uh, for the Hawks. I thought they were terrific. Uh, number one, they had to be strong around the footy uh, all night up against the Bulls of Melbourne, and they were. Uh, their ball movement uh, was certainly uh, certainly better. I mean, you can see, if you're looking to the crystal ball down the track, uh, young Jekka, um, Lewis coming back in, Who's the third I'm thinking of as I look across the desk at one of the great Hawthorne supporters in Rod? Kaczynski. thank you very much. Has had a slight uh, brain fade there. It's only 13 past six. If you look at those three, you're throwing young Brockman, um, young Moore buzzing around, and, and you can see a, a potential forward line uh, really emerging over the next uh, few years. So uh, some really encouraging signs. I thought Kane Corns' comments were really interesting about Melbourne because we know that May and Lever are the absolute pillars. I mean, you're, you're doing your best... Uh, to avoid them at all costs because of their intercepting uh, ability. But once the ball hit the ground and uh, the Hawthorne Small started to buzz around, Melbourne were just a little jittery uh, down back. And we sort of changed, don't we, from week to week in trying to work out who is going to actually win this premiership. Melbourne, the Dogs, Geelong. We're all not convinced at this stage, I think, about Port Adelaide. Uh, Brisbane suffering a little bit of a blow structurally. Sydney is the fascinating one. Could they come from where they were last year and, and go a lot further than expected? And the teams that probably get into those last couple of spots, unless it's Richmond, we're not expecting maybe to do any great damage. But Melbourne and the Dogs are a fascinating watch. And Geelong might, just for the first time, be actually timing their run. And just with what they've added in last year, with a bit of cream in terms of experience, maybe it is the year for the Cats. They haven't convinced me in the past that... They can actually win big finals, but, geez, a bit to play out, isn't there, over the next uh, five to uh, six weeks to determine who's actually going to win uh, this premiership. Uh, Charles' goals are unbelievable from the boundary. He's a good addition, maybe, a child. I mean, they lose Martin, but they're going to get some good players back. Edwards due back uh, this week. I mean, you can't uh, certainly uh, count out uh, the uh, the Tigers. Uh, Gary Lyon was interesting on uh, breakfast uh, this morning. Talking about goal kicking, I know that Dwayne's been uh, certainly uh, very passionate about it, the worst... Uh, goal-kicking accuracy at the moment in, what, 150 years of the game. 
And when you call a lot of games of footy on a week-to-week basis, uh, we sit here in the cheap seats and you think a guy, gee, 30 out directly in front should be fairly uh, bread and butter. There are a lot of goals being missed, but uh, Gary Lyon weighed in on SEM Breakfast earlier today. The way I'm watching these blokes now shoot for goal, they do everything that they don't normally do in their kicking process. So they kick, you know, on the, you know, they can take a mark, they go back and kick, they kick on the run, they deliver mm. the ball beautifully. Then for whatever reason, they go, you've got a shot at goal, and they stop, they go, oh, I've got 30 seconds, therefore I'll take the 30 seconds, I go back, I slow down, mm. I walk in slower, I'm still taking 30. They do Everything counter to what they normally do. Now, if you've just had five contests and you're buggered and knackered and mm. you, you take the 30 seconds by all means, get yep. yourself breath back. If you've just take, run out, let out, mark the footy, turned around, a <sighs> couple of deep breaths and go Bang. and kick the damn thing. They're instructed, though, <laughs> to take the 30 seconds as well because that allows everybody else to what, set up for you know the kick-in if you they You know what I'd to. instruct them? Kick the goal. Fair call. What do you think? Uh, if you haven't had your say on it, there's been a lot of talk back on SEN today uh, certainly about goal kicking and a lot of people coming up with uh, different uh, theories. One three hundred seven three six seven three six or oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the uh, temper text. We might uh, take a break. There's a lot of other news to get through. It's a bit bubbling around with the Olympics, of course. Uh, there's a couple of interesting write-ups today about the Tokyo Olympics. I'll touch on that next. And your calls coming up on Time On on SEN, your home of sport. Time On. Great to be with you on a Monday night. Brett Phillips in for Sam Edmund, who normally sits in this chair on a Monday. It was good to have Sam back on the radio today. He was in early. He'll be back, um, of course, over the next uh, few days. Of course, Olympic coverage uh, on SEN for the next uh, couple of weeks in uh, this slot with all the action to start on the weekend, although I think um, football and softball starts early on uh, Wednesday. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, or you can jump on the temper text 0433981116. Your say on the news of the day. A few other bits and pieces to uh, go through for you, but let's have a chat to Chris in Camberwell. Chris, uh, great to have you on the radio. Yeah, yes, good evening. I want to talk about one Melbourne and two the tennis. Yeah. Uh, firstly, uh, Melbourne. Uh, Tom McDonald didn't look right on Saturday. He had scans last week. It was on the news. Can you please find out or your station uh, what's the real issue with Tom McDonald? And I want to sum up what went wrong with the back line. Uh, Petty was off for two quarters, Mm. and he came back and took two crucial marks that saved that game. And the other thing is about Wiedemann. Wiedemann has had a very up-and-down year since last year, the reason being his fiancée has been uh, treating patients that have been dying in the Austin, and then he, he had an injury all pre-season, and he just, he just hasn't been quite right. And then you get the COVID case where Casey can't play, mm. and then he comes into the Melbourne side, and he's, he needs match uh, practice and fitness. I do expect Wiedemann to play in the finals. Do you? And mm. the same with Brown, who's been injured. They're both behind schedule. Mm. And I wouldn't read too much into uh, what's going on at the moment because Tom McDonald honestly didn't look right. Uh, can you find out? That's a key issue. Uh, no doubt. Uh, we'll do some uh, digging. Thank you, uh, Chris. I think they're a fascinating watch, uh, Melbourne, and... And I'm, you know, not a Melbourne supporter, so I see it from a very different lens, obviously. And I can understand the nervousness, and I can understand the cautiousness of the Melbourne fans to get too excited 
with a, a fair chunk. What have we got? Five or six weeks of the AFL um, home and away season to go and then a final series as Melbourne try and win that elusive uh, premiership since 1964. But I think one word we can associate with Melbourne this year a lot more than other years is trust. When you feel like you know what you're going to get. I mean, they have lost, and I listened to a talkback caller on my way home from calling the game on Saturday night who said, how on earth do we lose to these bottom teams? I mean, uh, Carlton's dominating year of 1995, they lost two games to St Kilda and Sydney who were down in the bottom part of the table, and no doubt it's it's a mental thing. I mean, I suppose the good positive thing for Melbourne fans out there, you are beating the quality teams around you in the top eight, so they've uh, been able to tick um, those litmus tests, but... Yeah, structurally, it's really, really interesting with Melbourne. And I, I look at the middle of the ground still, and this is one thing that they really uh, set themselves to improve dramatically was their connection between midfield and forward line. And we know that Oliver isn't the most beautiful kick. We know Jack Viney isn't the most beautiful, pure kick of the footy. We know Petrarca is a, a dazzling kick of the football, no doubt about that. So... It's are they going to be able to get that result inside 50 and get the right chemistry? I mean, I love Fritch. I think he's absolute X factor. I think Tom McDonald's had an outstanding year and um, he's got the backman's mentality, hasn't he? When he's behind, he'll go the defensive spoil, try and bring it to ground, get Cozzy Pickett and the likes involved at ground level. What we don't know at this stage is how is the Melbourne brand going to stand up in the heat of September? How is the Western Bulldogs brand going to stand up in the heat of September? Geelong has got the more experienced team, but we know they've had a poor finals record for some time. Jury out on Port Adelaide. Jury out on Brisbane. Sydney's the X Factor, who are just having this season where everything's gelling uh, beautifully. West Coast right now, and didn't overly convince us against Adelaide on the weekend. The Bombers are in. They can play absolutely electrifying footy, but their defensive mechanisms are still in question. It's whether Richmond with the injuries that have absolutely mounted up, can pull it together at the right time. Tough. Everything's gone against them. And we're not convinced about Fremantle. St Kilda is the one, I mean, I thought they were probably the biggest losers out of the weekend. Uh, The Saints, to be totally honest, should have won that game against uh, Port Adelaide, who did roll up the sleeve. So I I take in the comments of others who were pretty impressed with Port Adelaide. because It was a a bit of a blue-collar type win. They needed that type of win. Uh, particularly uh, away from home. So it's a fascinating run home. And the Giants just can't get on any sort of roll who have got the talent, got the balls in the middle, but they can't string a few together, uh, which is obviously very frustrating for Leon Cameron and co. Uh, Marcus Bontempelli, uh, the Rolls-Royce flying, uh, the Bulldogs uh, captain, uh, on SEM Breakfast with Gary and Tim this morning, uh, talking about Jamara Hagen, selected for his second game, three goals. He took a dynamic mark. He... He certainly looked good. He's the bond on, uh, well, a young star of the future. Yeah, I think I think he can, and, and you're right. I think after his first game, um, you know, the um, the magnifying glass came out. Everyone was keen to to see what he could what he could produce, um, and I thought he competed, you know, quite well in that in that game. But but this one, once he, you know, officially probably got a taste, and then felt more comfortable with the build up. You, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into into your first game, especially as the, the number one draft pick with, with a fair bit of hype and maybe being able to travel and get away and, and, and spend a few days, you know, together and, and, and with the group maybe help that to, to ease any any nervousness or any tension he had to just feel comfortable, you know, in, in the build-up um, probably helped him. And, and then to see some of his, his key things and his, his talents come to, 
come to the fore during the game with his sort of marking ability. Obviously, his couple of goals were pretty impressive set shots. So, um, you know, I definitely think he's capable of producing for the next next couple of weeks and, and hopefully thereafter. Well, we know how Luke Beveridge operates with selection. He does it very differently to uh, just about every other coach in the, the competition. When you think he's going to select a team one way, he'll go the other way. So I suppose it was a chance for him to look at uh, Norton and um, Ugal Hagen in, in the same team when the obvious uh, call during the week was, okay, you've had your one chance, Jamara, and we, you know, we're taking Luke Beveridge, uh, certainly what he said about his own selection all those years ago under uh, John Northey and his own philosophy when he was uh, coaching Melbourne that uh, Luke was totally the polar opposite to that. And then he, of course, uh, selects young Jamara. But he looked certainly more comfortable, didn't he, against a, a Gold Coast defence who actually have really stood up this year. I'm a big fan of the Gold Coast defence. I think their back six has developed uh, some really nice chemistry down there with Ballard and Collins and uh, Powell. Lemons has gone down there playing some uh, terrific footy, I think. Uh, Dom off the text, Tom McDonald uh, lost a bit of depth in his kicking, so it could have maybe some OP symptoms. Yeah, we'll follow that up. Um, gee, I think he's been terrific, though, Tom McDonald, uh, this year. And look, there's a lot going right for Melbourne. We're just trying to look ahead to see how these teams who haven't been you know, regularly right at the top of the table, are they going to be able to stand up? They're the front runners right now, and that's what makes for a, a really, really uh, exciting season. So Chris spoke about Melbourne. I was fascinated to listen to Kingy today, of course, with the Monday Means Test with uh, Jared Waitley on his own thoughts of where he sees Melbourne at this stage. I think it's a cause for concern. You know, I'm pro- of the top four or five sides, there's a couple of glaring concerns, and, and one is the Melbourne Football Club and their, the way they set up the field. Now, it, it works. What they do works, okay? The ability to allow the opposition to send their sixth forward up to a stoppage, so they outnumber 7v6 nominally against against Gorn, Petrarca and Oliver and Viney or whoever those other guys are at, at clearance. So Melbourne are, are a poor clearance team because they're outnumbered. So the ball, more often than not, is going the opposition's way, which is fine because they set up behind the ball with their extra. So that that is always harnessed and manufactured in a way that it's either Christian Salem or it's or it's Jake Lever. But it's a dangerous way to live, and I think it's getting worked out. And this is the problem with sitting top of the table for 20 weeks is that everyone looks at everything you do and there comes a point in the season where what you're doing is, is tactically picked picked apart, and and I think that's what's happening. What are you seeing? Are you are you seeing the same thing? I think you are because they they lowest intercept mark game on on the weekend in the defensive fifty five intercept marks they took. Lever took one and May took another because they said no matter what happens, this is Clarkson. No matter what happens, they don't mark the ball in there. At worst, we bring it to ground and we fight the fight at ground level, and then the numbers arrive. And I think every team's going to look at this. And say, okay, so they're going to give us the ball more often than not at clearance. I can see that being a problem in a in a preliminary final. So we're talking about what stands up. Can you imagine kicking the ball into Hawkins 1v2? That's okay. That's fine. You reckon he'd be able to bring it to ground more often than not and then allow Geelong to play? Do that with, do that with um, Aaron Norton. You reckon he's going to bring it to ground? I reckon he's going to bring it to ground. People say, oh, but they've beaten six... They're 6-0 against top eight teams. Yep. There comes a point where you've got to put some dates to that. Okay, so they beat Port Adelaide a couple of weeks ago. So I think you've got to live in the last three to four weeks with football. You can't, you can't go too far back 
Uh, does a really does the first twelve rounds really hold any weight now? I mean, they've set themselves up yep. and they're in a great position. But I think they've got to allow they've got to tactically allow Gorn, Oliver, and Petrarca to have more influence by by at least squaring up the numbers and saying to Lever and May, "Hey, be great defenders, but be great from a one on one starting point." So that's the thoughts of Kingy. He was on with Jared earlier today. Always great listening to the Monday Means Test uh, every. Uh, Monday from uh, around uh, 9.30. Love to hear from the Melbourne fans out there. I mean, there's a lot to be excited about, but there's some trepidation as well. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. What's your own take on the Ds and how they are set up at the moment? Plenty of other footy news we'll get to. Just a couple of other uh, bits of Olympic news uh, today. Robert Craddock, who was on with uh, Jared earlier today, but also writing for News Corp Australia, has been shamed by revelations that trails the rest of the world in Olympic athlete medal rewards, sparking urgent calls for a funding revolution to rescue its stars from the breadline. Investigation by swimming website uh, SwimSwam has uh, ranked Australia last of 19 nations in financial rewards for athletes who win medals uh, below sports superpowers such as the USA, uh, Russia and Germany, but also the likes of Azerbaijan, uh, Malaysia and Thailand. So while Australian athletes are promised $20,000 for a gold medal, $15,000 for silver and 10000 for bronze, Singapore athletes can earn over a million dollars for winning gold, even though swimmer Joseph Schooling is their only podium topper. Other nations such as Russia, 82000 and USA, 50000 are more in Australia's range. So... Interesting uh, comments from uh, Robert Craddock in that article today. With Brisbane set to be awarded the 2032 Olympics, former beach volleyball gold medalist and Queensland Olympic Council president Natalie Cook is adamant the funding structure must change and will work on a plan she hopes to present to the Prime Minister uh, Scott Morrison. So it's understood other high-level talks have also taken place in recent weeks as the Australian Olympic Committee meets the funding challenge uh, head-on. And another little interesting read today from... Uh, Jacqueline Magna, who was over at Wimbledon, uh, jumped on the plane to head to Tokyo. Drug testing explodes as athletes fear cheating pandemic at the Games. The Tokyo Games are on track to be the dirtiest in history, with Olympic athletes fearing opponents have capitalised on a drug testing loophole. It's a special investigation that Jacqueline has written for News Corp. International drug testers have significantly ramped up uh, testing before the Tokyo Olympics to make up for a pandemic of cheating that could result in the dirtiest games in history. Athletes are privately concerned that suspect opponents have exploited lockdown and logistical safety issues faced by drug uh, testers uh, during the COVID-19 crisis and abused the global medical emergency to overcome old injuries to bulk up and boost intensity of training. Athletics Integrity Unit Chairman David Howman, a former Director General of WADA, said you are left with the thought that those who take to those cheating shortcuts would have done so and you have to cross your fingers a wee bit and hope that those who are who did are going to be caught. Dick Pound, the Canadian uh, International Olympic Committee member, this is a fascinating read, uh, said testing has also been uneven due to travel restrictions and varying conditions in each country, which also impacted uh, training routines and schedules. Uh, a quote from uh, Pound in the article, I think we have to recognise that uh, this may be part of the price of the pandemic. His view was uh, mirrored by a global uh, drug tester who asked to remain anonymous. Uh, the tester was worried that there was a prolonged period last year for athletes to cheat without any fear or uh, consequences. So a couple of interesting write-ups uh, ahead of 
the Olympic Games. We know that two athletes have uh, tested positive in the Olympic Village. We know that Tokyo's in a state of emergency. Uh, a little bit later on tonight on the first serve, I'll um, go inside the Australian tennis Olympic team with their captain, uh, Jamie Crabb. They've arrived on the ground in the last uh, 24 hours. Some uh, news just coming in. Uh, Gold Coast Suns youngster Jeremy Sharp is the round 18 rising star winner. Had the 30 disposals, 10 marks, 9 score involvements and 8 intercepts in the game against the Bulldogs. He's been very good uh, probably for the last uh, three or four weeks. Had to bide his time uh, playing a fair bit of VFL footy. Uh, plenty more to come here on Time On. Uh, your calls, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Your say on the news of the day. On your home of sport. Time On. Great to be here. Brett Phillips in the chair, taking you through... The news of the day on this uh, Monday night. You can join us anytime. one 736 736 or on the temper text 0433 98 11 16. So if you're just jumping in the car or you've been away from uh, the radio, been away from the major uh, footy news, uh, the round 19 fixture uh, as it stands. Port Adelaide and Collingwood, Friday night, Adelaide Oval 710 as it stands. Anything could happen. Carlton versus North Melbourne, Marvel Stadium, Saturday, 1.45. Brisbane versus the Gold Coast, the Gabba, 3.10, Saturday afternoon. West Coast versus St Kilda, Optus Stadium, 4.35, Saturday afternoon. Adelaide up against Hawthorne, Adelaide Oval, 6.10pm on Saturday night, Eastern, all these times, of course. Uh, Melbourne up against the Western Bulldogs, uh, top of the table clash, MCG, it's slated for, Saturday night, 7.25. And this coming Sunday, Sydney and Fremantle confirmed for Metricon Stadium at 12.30. Geelong and Richmond are definitely confirmed for the MCG. The time, though, is to be confirmed. And Essendon versus the Giants, well, the venue... TBC and the time, uh, 2BC. Obviously, both teams are up in Queensland at the moment. There was talk today of the Bombers, in fact, uh, heading up to uh, Noosa. In fact, Xavier Campbell, their CEO, was on SEM Breakfast earlier today and spoke to Gary and Tim about what he did know. Yeah, it was obviously it's a, it's a moving landscape at the moment. Um, I guess, um, you know, when you say, why are we in Queensland? Well, right now it's sort of difficult to understand what the, the future landscape looks like. And from the AFL's perspective, they're trying to create as much flexibility in the system as they can. You know, with Queensland, there's, there's obviously a greater level of movement at the moment. Um, you've had two teams in... I don't want to steal the thunder of the AFL. Like there's, there's parts that they should probably talk to. But you've had two teams in GWS and Sydney who've been away for a long period of time. The prospect probably of a lockdown and uh, or potentially an extended lockdown in Victoria for teams that have been away for you know, almost four weeks was probably a bit daunting as well. And there's, there's a challenge of trying to reunite them with their families. So, you know, we would love to be back in Melbourne. We would love for our players to be back with their families. We would love for the club to be back with their families, which is the members. Um, and we, you know, we only want to be in Queensland as long, as long as we need to be in the AFL knows that and that's what they want as well so it's still a lot of moving parts Gary and over the next sort of 72 hours I imagine things will start to crystallise a little more yeah, Indeed and uh, more crystallised uh, this afternoon so Essendon in Queensland could they be back in Melbourne uh, potentially to play that game against the Giants uh, come Sunday all that uh, certainly to uh, play out uh, Dino uh, who is playing Friday night again please yeah, well, Port Adelaide and Collingwood uh, have been in that time slot. Obviously, there was some discussion over the weekend that perhaps it could come forward. Obviously, the Adelaide Airport curfew over there. We know that uh, Adelaide itself has tightened its restrictions. Not a full lockdown, according to their Premier, but they are certainly tightening their restrictions over the next uh, three days in terms of uh, movement with a couple of uh, COVID cases 
in that uh, part of the world. So we'll uh, wait and see if there's any adjustment. Uh, we know that the Friday night game traditionally is at sort of 7.50 start, brought forward by 40 minutes uh, to 7.10 uh, at this stage. So we're not 100% sure of Collingwood's exact uh, treble movements. Um, obviously looking to get uh, in and out on the same night. Um, we know that uh, Geelong a few weeks ago had the issues with the charter flight trying to get out of Adelaide after um, that night game uh, due to the fog. So we'll uh, see how that one uh, does play out. But as we know, it is dangerous to look any further than probably about half an hour ahead. So uh, plenty uh, could certainly unfold over uh, the next uh, few hours. In fact, uh, Jared Waitley, off the top of his show uh, today, it was an interesting discussion point about how much is too much to compromise. In, in light of the Swans and the Giants at the last minute missing some of their key personnel uh, yesterday. And it seems like the AFL is just gung-ho here. We've got to get these games away. We're not going to pause. If you've got to fit 23 players, you're going to play them. But Jared um, threw this into the discussion off the top of his show on uh, Waitley. Start here. 45 games remain to complete the home and away season and things have never been more complicated than right now. The AFL is playing Tetris to fill its matrix and get its pieces away desperate to leave no gaps. The imperative, well, that's to get the games played and it outweighs all else. There is a question in here somewhere about how much compromise is too much. At what point is the integrity breached by necessity and expedience? Equity is a luxury that simply can't be indulged. And that's not a criticism, it's just the reality. These contemplations sat heavily over the opening siren of the Sydney Derby. Keep in mind, this was a game that was slated for Giants Stadium, had Canberra as a fallback, was destined for Ballarat before being staged on the Gold Coast by two teams entering their fourth week on the road, who have twice, at a matter of hours' notice, been on planes to evacuate their current location. As chaos reigned in the hour leading up to the game, players and staff of both teams were identified, separated and isolated, removed from the game at a moment's notice. The immediate instinct was it should have been delayed by 24 hours. But as it turns out, none of these issues would have been resolved by tonight. Players with no expectation of being required for duty were thrust into action and there were holes everywhere in already skeleton staffs. It proved to be a quite brilliant game, where first the Giants and then the Swans enjoyed surging momentum, and any wonder that at the end of it all, John Longmire and Don Pike celebrated with their players in the manner that they did. Again, the teams did whatever was required, no matter how bizarre, and there was no gap left in the matrix. The games are to be played at all costs, and it seems the threshold is 23 available players. Now, in there somewhere is the contemplation is how much is too much. You might like to weigh into that between now and seven or after seven on uh, the Sporting Capital. Uh, Michael's on the Central Coast. Michael, welcome to SEN. G'day, how you going? Very good, thanks. Yeah, I was just calling about the Demons. I'm a Demon supporter. I'm not too concerned at all. At the end of the day, we've accounted for everyone in the top eight quite easily. Um, I really believe the competition's a lot closer with anyone you play these days. So if you give a 
give any side a chance, especially a side, you know, really desperate for a win in the last quarter. They're going to be up and about. And Hawthorne was sniffing a win that, you know, uh, in the last quarter there. And we had two goals that we should have really kicked to, uh, yep. to close the game off, and we simply didn't. So at the end of the day, that, that would probably be my main concern about just being a bit more clutch and just putting sides away. But, you know, you're not, you're not going to beat everyone every week. It's about peak, peaking at the right time. And mm. let's just finish top four and get the double chance. And then it's anyone's game, you know, anyone's uh, premiership after that. So yeah, let's indeed. See what happens. Good on you, Michael. I appreciate it. Like the optimism. I mean, that's the good, uh, the good part. You'd rather be in Melbourne situation than Port Adelaide, who have struggled to beat the teams that you want to beat if you're going to be a legitimate uh, contender. So I think that's certainly a tick uh, for Melbourne. But, yeah, structure, method, um, that, that's going to be the fascinating part for Melbourne is they just try and get that chemistry to uh, absolutely click when they need it most. And they've done so much right this year. There's a lot to lo- love about Melbourne and what they've produced, but we know it counts for nothing unless they get it done uh, in uh, in September. But uh, gee, they've laid a, laid a foundation. But I agree with King. It's Everything that's happened in the first 12 or 13 weeks is history now. It's given them a chance, but what they do from here, they've got to get absolutely uh, spot on. A break, uh, back with more on Time On. On SEN, your home of sport. Time On. Welcome back. Uh, Brett Phillips in the chair for Time On uh, tonight through to 7 o'clock. Sporting Capital uh, coming up after 7. Your heroes and villains from the world of sport across uh, the weekend. Love to take your calls on that. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. The first serve... Uh, after 8 o'clock, talking the world of tennis, and we'll continue uh, to go through all the news of the day after uh, 9 tonight. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Wally from Blackburn South. AFL could take everyone to Tassie, run the next few rounds from there until the finals. Travel is between Launceston and Hobart. Great test for Tasmania also. Yeah, not 100% sure on Tasmania's situation uh, with Victoria, because they've been quick to close down there. Uh, not that Jackie Lambie's all that uh, happy about that, isn't she? Good value down there, Jackie, uh, running the show from uh, Bernie. But, oh, look, um, the more footy we can have in Tassie down the track. Um, I don't sit in this chair uh, very often, apart from uh, calling the footy on the weekend. I love all the discussion around Tasmania, and boy, oh, boy, I hope it does happen uh, sometime down the track that Tasmania uh, have their own team. Um Love you bagging my team. Power in the lines ain't travelling too well. Uh, we're in the top four, uh, BB. Good. Uh, everyone riding us off. Careful what you wish for. Have a good night. We had six blokes out. Still beat the Saints. Yeah, Michael, I I expect you to go into bat uh, for your team. I mean, we're, we're you know, certainly trying to make judgments over um, what we've seen uh, so far. And I, I think, you know, Port Adelaide can play some outstanding footy. But for me, and... And I have a lot of stats at my disposal when I do the footy across the weekend. I prefer to use my my eye and the aesthetics of looking, and everyone sees it from a different lens. So everyone's got a, a, a different opinion on uh, teams out there. You could have three or four people in, in the one room and get three or four different opinions. Uh, they're, just, they're just not a team I can totally trust, uh, Port Adelaide, uh, in terms of getting their hands on the ball, uh, in terms of what their forward 50 uh, entries are going to do. And this is this is the same for a lot of teams trying to get that final part of the connection right. There's so many teams that can win a lot of footy between the arcs. They can get a lot of ball around halfback and change the angles. Um, I mean, you know, I watched two teams on the weekend. I think it was brought up before. I and mean, this is a very different competition going back, you know, 20 years ago when there were a couple of easy beats, and I followed one of them in the competition. 
I watched North Melbourne over the weekend, and you love the style of football they're trying to play. You, Hawthorne on a rebuild, you love what they were trying to do, and they brought uh, great effort. So the effort of both teams was absolutely superb, and they'll get the method better. They'll get the connection better, the chemistry better, uh, some more muscle on uh, some of their younger forwards. But it's certainly got a bit of promise. It's going to uh, take some time. But for those teams at the Port EM, it's a fascinating race. It's great. It's a great open AFL season. Melbourne, the Dogs, Geelong, Port, Brisbane, Sydney. When there's no clear-cut winner out of all of that, who can actually produce it when it counts most? But uh, for Port Adelaide and Brisbane, I think they've got some work to do. I just don't have them right at the absolute Port EM. Uh, there's some real upside, but... There's some gaps there that they've got to try and bridge uh, over the next uh, five to six weeks. one 736 736 We'll take some calls after 7 o'clock. Your heroes and villains. Uh, Chief and Mentor will join us from the Collingwood Magpies. Big win against the Vixens over the weekend. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.